Father, thank you so much for Jeannie. Thank you for her faithfulness. Thank you for all that she's seen of your work through her hands and through the teams that she's released. And we ask for more of that today. We ask that you give us open eyes and open ears and open hearts. And you'd help us learn more how to partner with you. Amen. Hello everyone. So you know my name and I always do this but I don't know your name and you don't know each other's name possibly, not the whole room load anyway. So after the count of three, if you call out what your name is, we can all be formally introduced. So <laughs> after the count of three, one, two, three. Brilliant. Still in loud voice even though it's very late in the day. And I must say you're looking very bright and sharp, you know. But should you need to fall asleep, we won't judge you, okay? But somebody might tell you if you dribble afterwards. <laughs> so this is called inner, in a Prayer Ministry Inner Healing. So if you're in the wrong place, you can go now. <laughs> I've gone to the wrong one. Um, anyway, I just want to um, tell you a little bit about these books. Not because I feel the need to flog books, but I did write them as a resource for people. And, in fact, the book hasn't arrived, what this seminar is about, which is a bit of a shame. But I spoke to the guy at the bookshop, and he said that if you would like to order a book, he will post it to you. So if at the end you want to have a look, um, I'm going to put them over here. So the one that this um, talk is about, um, I've written this book called Our Hands, His Healing, A Practical Guide to Prayer Ministry and Inner Healing. So there's sort of like a model, if you like, for leaders, um, for introducing prayer ministry into the church. There's a model of doing that prayer ministry. There's one for pastoral prayer ministry as well. Um, there's lots of uh, sort of how to do things, although I'm not an authority on that, but it, it's just my experience over the last 30 years of ministering to people and seeing what Jesus has been doing with people as I've prayed prayer ministry, physical healing, um, inner healing, and pastoral prayer ministry. So um, if you want to have a look at that, you can do over here. So usually I throw them out to people. I did hit somebody once on the head with that. So, but for today, I just think I'll just leave them there for you to have a look at. Um, this was the first one I wrote, which um, is called Let the Healing Begin. And I realised that for a lot of people, they don't have prayer ministry in their church. Or for, we can get into a habit of just going to church and we're ministered to. And... The way I got received a lot of inner healing was via me and the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we can get out that habit of just being at home or being wherever and just asking the Holy Spirit to come. And so this is um, a tool really for you to use either for yourself or for maybe somebody you know because there's prayers that they can do and at the end of every chapter there's some exercises. So if there's somebody that you're, you may be doing pastoral prayer ministry with, for instance, over... A, period of time you know of six to eight weeks or something like that six to eight sessions then it means that they might be stuck in a certain area as they're working through the book and then you can pray with them through various things as and when they're coming up so there's um, some of my story in it stories of other people I've ministered to biblical stories okay so I'll stick that with that one so I'll put a few out so you can have a look and then um, I kept looking for a, just a really simple uh, book about gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I wrote this one called Encounter the Holy Spirit. And um, so it's obviously about the Holy Spirit gifts, how we can receive gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we can grow in gifts of the Holy Spirit. And at the back, there's just one chapter on prayer ministry, getting started. 
So that's that. So let's just at the start, let's just agree, or maybe you don't want to agree, but give people permission in the room to make a mistake this afternoon, because we're going to have a workshop style. And um, I don't think anybody's ever walked out yet. And we have locked the doors. You can't get... No, it's not true. We haven't. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so let's just put up a hand if we're saying we're giving people permission this afternoon to make a mistake. Great. So it's okay to do that so that you know that because everybody put their hand up. And also to just give um, people permission really to respond to Jesus any way they want to because we're all different and we all respond in different ways. And we want this to feel like a safe place for people. So if you're agreeing to that, to just let people respond any way they want to to the Holy Spirit today, I'm going to put my hand up. Okay, great. So let's just pray, shall we? I know we've prayed already, but just in your own way, just bring yourself to Jesus. Lord, we just ask you just take anything of, that might be in the way right now, Lord, of just what you're wanting to do this afternoon. And if you want to, just ask, say to him, we'll just give you permission, Lord, to do anything you want to. And Lord, just ask him to equip you this afternoon in a new way. And Lord, on the way of that, Lord, we just ask that you bring some more healing to us. Make us whole. More whole this afternoon. Amen. So um, I've also got a website called Our Hands His Healing. And I did that from the book because there's resources on there that you can actually print off. So it's www.ourhandshishealing.co.uk. So you might find that helpful because there's lots of scripture sheets on there as well. If you want to print them off and actually give them to somebody or for yourself, you might want to use it in a talk or whatever in the future. So let's just fold our arms. Just fold your arms and just look down and see which arms on the top and which arms on the bottom underneath, whether it's your right arm or your left arm. And now put your arms by your side. And now change over and do it the opposite way. So put the opposite arm on top. So you've, you're saying some things here. So what? tell me, call out what you feel about doing that. Sorry? Awkward. Anything else? Uncomfortable. Pardon? I don't know how to. Okay. So um, is there anybody um, in the room who's both ways felt okay to them? Well, there's quite a few of you. Sometimes there's only about three. Okay, you're very, very special. The rest of us are special, but you're very, very special. Uh, I read a long time ago from psychologists that in a room of people, half of them it will be their right arm that are on top and half of them it will be their left arm on top, regardless of whether you're right or left-handed. But through doing this um, on mass, I discovered there are people who both ways are quite comfortable. So I thought, isn't that amazing? So what's that all about? Not a lot, really. But, but it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting to watch you doing it. But no, this is, this is a really loose link, okay? Loose link to inner healing. And some of the words that you called out is exactly how you feel when you're receiving inner healing. Because often we stuff stuff down, we stuff it down, we don't want it to come up, we don't want it to be seen. And so 
when it actually starts happening, it can be uncomfortable, it can feel weird. Some people say they don't feel like in control, you know, of their body. And none of us, most of us, don't want to be out of control. And it's a, I always think it's a little bit like vomiting, not that we like to think about that too much. But if you think about it, you're in bed, you know, and you're fighting it down usually. You know, for me, it's about three hours, I think. And until you get to that point of, oh, no, you know, and then you run. And then at that point, I'm hoping that the toilet was cleaned quite recently. And then it all starts coming up and out, which is the most horrible, horrible stage of it. But my goodness, how do you feel after it, you know? It's like you've won the world, you know, it's like, it's the relief, you know, your eyes watering, it's like, oh, phew, why did I wait so long? And it's a bit like that when we receive in a healing, you know, it's, although this is about um, how we do prayer ministry for inner healing, it's on the way we get healed up as well. We need to keep open to the Holy Spirit um, because sure enough, you will at some point or other, you'll be ministering to somebody and there'll be something that's going on with them that you suddenly think, oh my goodness, that's me. It's like what you're saying now is me. But don't panic at that point because the Holy Spirit, it's him that's showing you that. And it's not that we're all unqualified in one way, but in another way we are qualified because we have Jesus living in us, you know, and the Holy Spirit is doing it through us. So he's just really pressing that little button to say, maybe it's a good idea if you start doing something about that yourself. And so it doesn't mean that we have to be all healed and whole before we can start doing all this stuff because nobody would do it, you know, because we're all on this journey of wholeness. You know, it's I was healed, I am being healed, I will be healed, you know. And so I'm a work in progress, you know, it's still happening with me, you know. And I've been a Christian now since I was 30, I'm now 70. So that's 40 years worth of the Lord still doing that in me. And I'm so pleased he is still doing that, you know, and he's still bringing wholeness to me. And during this last couple of years, I've been in... Um, grieving um, my husband who died so uh, it's still happening with me you know it's happening me for me today you know same as it's happening with you while you're here so we don't have to be completely whole or anything like that to be able to be used by Jesus so inner healing obviously is a huge subject and we're trying to compress it down into just this one seminar you know and I'd rather have days and days of it uh, but we're going to be practicing some things shortly in twos so that, um, you know, just talking about it or just listening is not going to be equipping, really. You know, that's not something that it's by doing stuff, isn't it? It's when we do it and we start doing it and we start stepping out a little bit. That's when we remember it and we risk it more because we know Jesus does it. We can see he's doing it. He's doing it through us. So I became a Christian as a very broken person. And um, it was via many supernatural things happening, actually, via the Holy Spirit. And I was grieving the death of our two-year-old daughter. And I had unresolved grief over our firstborn, who was stillborn. And so um, I grew up with a mentally ill mother. And she suffered since she was a teenager. She used to have screaming fits in the street. And she was severely agoraphobic. And so she didn't go outside the house apart from probably to the... From where I'm standing here to the third row back that was our pathway up to the gate and that was the furthest she went you know she was terrified and we now call them panic attacks but they didn't used to call it things like that but she had many many phobias um and so these things that how she was um people that are mentally ill to the degree that my mother was and she never wanted the doctor to come or find out about her because she was petrified of being taken to hospital 
and to going into a mental any sort of mental institution in any way because in those days um, they weren't very pleasant to be honest. Um, but I didn't realise the effect that my childhood had had on me, and um, I felt insecure, you know, inferior, um, lack of self-esteem, self-worth. You know, I had no self-confidence whatsoever. And I didn't think I was at all worth knowing. And I felt actually just like a blob on, on, the, on the floor. And I was always petrified people would ask me a question because I, I probably wouldn't know what to answer because it just struck fear in me of, oh, my goodness, I've got to come up with something, you know. And I also, which I've recently, um, in the last few years, discovered I've got word retrieval. That was my problem, which is now it's recognised, you know, in children that they have this. And my granddaughters like it, so we share a lot of stories, you know, together. Um, so I became a Christian and, and I was very broken. But after I became a Christian, for three more years, I've, I harboured hatred towards my mother and loathing towards her. And I didn't know I was a sinner until a year after I became a Christian because I was so broken that if Jesus told me that I was a sinner as well, I don't think I could have taken it, you know, <laughs> to be honest. He started straight away bringing healing to me on the inside. And it wasn't just for those things that I told you about to do with my children. It was to do with me as a child, you know, those things that I had no idea um, what it was like to live with somebody where you were caring for them or who took to their bed all the time and was depressed and where you were summoned to their bedside, you know, to say sorry for something that actually was so trivial, like leaving uh, dirty tissues under your pillow or something you know so forgiveness for me I didn't know what that meant because I used to say sorry and I wasn't forgiven because my mum still stayed in bed so for me that wouldn't have made any sense you know but Jesus waited for me and I, I that always undoes me when I think of that you know because there's a verse in the bible that says a bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick as in a candle he will not snuff out he has brought justice through to victory, Matthew 12, 20. So he met me in my brokenness, you know, with his mercy and his and inner healing. And I used to go up um, when I first went to church. I went there to pay for a Bible that David Pitchers had brought around for me. And I thought, I've been brought up poor but proud. You know, you pay for what people give you. So I only went to pay for the Bible. And then when I got there, you know, I kept feeling this. It was like being enclosed in cotton wool. And I didn't realise then it was the love people felt for Jesus and the, the love he was showing them. And that was a real safe place to me, for me. And I used to go up for um, communion, not knowing that in the Church of England, you're not supposed to do that till you've been confirmed. But um, nobody told Jesus because he kept meeting me there. <laughs> Every time I went for communion, um, he did a bit more. And it was the place I started to cry because when our little girl drowned, I didn't cry. I couldn't grieve for three months. And when I went there, that was the first place I started to cry. And people didn't get in the way of my grieving they would just put a hand on me from behind and and then when I became a Christian we used to minister to each other one week I'd be screaming and as pain was coming out of me and the next week I'd be laying hands on other people um, and they would be receiving healing and letting it out and I tell you what that did amongst us was so precious because we saw each other you know, guts and all, you know, we saw it all. We saw the snot and the tears, you know, and, and the mess, you know. And um, it, it was an incredible um, place of learning, really, and of being real with each other. 
And um, I just want to encourage you, you know, to go with this, with all you have, you know, um, because you will never regret it. Um, so we're all the walking wounded. Um, so that passion that I felt when I started receiving inner healing, you know, the passion that I had then to want to see other people set free has never left me, you know, since that time. And I think it added to it when my thing was, you know, setting the captives free. But after so many years, it then became an enable others to do likewise. And that's that twofold thing, you know. Um, but on often when people hear about some of the things that people say to them when they want to pray for them, do prayer ministry, is that they might realise that the person needs to forgive people. And it's often said that people then say to them, just forget, you need to forgive so-and-so. But actually, they've got this ball of pain inside them. It's like a natural big barrel of pain, you know. And so to say that, it wouldn't be, it would be on top of all that. They'd be forgiving them, just saying the words, basically, because you need to express that. You need that, that pain that you never expressed at the time to be expressed. It needs to be heard. You know, that little child um, that was abused in some way or not loved, you know, not shown love, needs to express that pain because otherwise that forgiveness doing that is just going to be words. You know, it's not even going to um, be it at all. Uh, but when we do this ministry, it's so important that we do it out of love, you know, and the compassion of Jesus. So we need to ask him for that. We need to ask him to show us how to really love people. Because the Bible says if we don't, if we use um, gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, and we don't do it in love, it's just like a clanging cymbal. It's a horrible noise, you know. Um, so for about a year, every single day, I remember praying and asking Jesus, just show me, Jesus, show me how I can really love people. And then I started asking him for compassion, his compassion, which is a bit dangerous, I just have to warn you, because I started crying when I walked in and just saw an advert where injustice was happening, you know, because the Lord gave me that, his heart for, about stuff like that, where people, how people were being treated in all sorts of ways. And so um, he will give it to you. And it's very different when you minister out of his compassion and allow him to use you in that way rather than empathizing. People don't need empathy. They need Jesus he to heal them, you know, and we don't want to get in the way of that. So it's a, I think it's also um, really important uh, to know that the people that we minister to are not our people. They're not our people. And we don't need to take responsibility when we minister because it's his responsibility. They're his people. He's just allowing us to partner with him in ministry. So I don't take people home with me in my head because if I'm ministering all day to somebody, different people, it means all those people's stories will all be up here and in here. And I can't do anything for them. I'm going home, you know. So I have to hand them over to Jesus. So in the beginning, I used to have to get be really... It was one day Jesus showed me that I'd done this. I'd taken these people into myself. And I, for me, I had to say sorry to him and see it as a sin because I can't do that for him, for people. You know, only he can do it. And so I saw that it was like I was putting myself above him by taking people into myself. So for me, it means that as I'm listening, it's going to him. What they're saying is going to him. I don't need to receive that into myself. 
because otherwise it will break you. You know, you won't, you'll get burnt out. You can't do it for very long to hear people's stories, you know, and, and sometimes they're so horrific, you know. But I'm not saying that it'll be like that all the time for you. It, for me, I think because of what my journey's been in my life, he does send me people that have, have had similar sorts of things, you know, and, and are really, really broken. Um, but he does take you on a journey of it. You don't, it's not all at once, it's bit by bit. And he shows you and he just takes you and, and he just shows you what to do and how to do it. And so we don't have to comfort people and counsel them because he's the comforter, he's the counsellor. So that's brilliant. I don't have to do that. So I don't have to rub people up and down on their back when I'm praying for them or comfort them, you know. If they choose to at the end of the time and want to hug me or want to be held, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But I don't, I don't want to get in the way of anything what Jesus wants to do and for what for them receiving. We don't have to help Jesus out. He is more than able. Um, in the passage in Isaiah 61, um, Jesus starts off, he stood up um, and said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He was reading out from the scroll. And Jesus, as he was reading this out from Isaiah, um, which is, we're told about Jesus did this in Luke, um, when he started saying that, he said this is what he came to do. And he then started listing all the things from this prophecy in Isaiah of what he came to do. And the passage actually speaks of prisoners and captives. And I thought to myself once as I read, one day when I read it, why both? Isn't that the same thing, captives and prisoners? And it actually says, freedom for captives and release from darkness for prisoners. And when you think about it, prisoners have usually done something wrong, haven't they? And they're imprisoned um, and have to suffer the consequences of their actions. And then if you were to think of um, captives, so they obviously need the light of Jesus, you know, because usually the prisoners are, it's usually sin of something like bitterness, hatred, you know, or self-hatred or jealousy or lying. And maybe prisoners, they've had sin done against them and their reaction to that might be these things. <laughs> captives, they're usually taken against their will, aren't they, captives? And they're robbed often of their liberty and their freedom. And I started thinking about that. That's probably people that have suffered some form of abuse, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, or been neglected or something like that. And that can happen as a child or a teenager or an adult. Um, and then all sorts of other things come out of that, like guilt, shame, lack of self-worth, self-esteem, rejection, um, feel unlovable. And these things can actually be a barrier to receiving Jesus close, you know, and having that close relationship with him. And often people we minister to, dis we discover that they haven't got very much relationship with Jesus and they can't work out why. And that compounds all these other things, you know, because that's another added thing onto what they're already suffering. But Jesus, you know, he wants to bring wholeness. And we see that in the Bible of the man, you know, that's paralyzed, the one on the mat where the friends lowered him down. And I love it. And then one of the Gospels, um, it actually says that the first thing Jesus said to him wasn't take up your mat, but it was he called him son. And I absolutely love that, you know, because I think in that, he was um, affirming him as belonging, you know. He was doing something in his identity that he could see he needed. Um, I think it brought him mentally, it brought him healing, and emotionally, by calling him son. Can you imagine that? And then he said to him, your sins are forgiven. That was the next thing he said. So that was a spiritual healing. 
And then next he said, take up your mat and walk. So that was a physical healing. So we see there, we don't see the words inner healing in the Bible, but then we don't see the words Trinity, you know, but we do see Jesus when he was baptized. We see Jesus there, the Holy Spirit came on him as a dove and the Father spoke to him. So the Trinity, what we call the Trinity for short sometimes, you know, was pres- were present. So... If you look into the Bible with that in mind, I want to see where, Jesus, you were making people whole and bringing in a healing. We see that the woman with the issue of blood, you know, she was bleeding for 12 years. Ladies, can you imagine that, having a period for 12 years? And in that culture and in that time, you know, there were, it, was, um, it must have been so difficult and so horrible and it was very hot there. And I think she probably had dogs traveling after her you know because she probably didn't smell too good and you can imagine what she must have been feeling you know inside she probably might not have even liked herself you know or loathed herself and um jesus just looked at her and he called her daughter you know that was the first thing he said to her again belonging you know he just looked into her and saw what she needed and i'm sure that that as well with her as she touched him um as well brought about healing inside of her on the inside um so our aim in jesus name is to bring wholeness and this is in the message thessalonians 5 23 it says may god himself the god who makes everything holy and whole make you holy and whole put you together spirit soul body and keep you fit for the coming of our master jesus christ The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. And I love that. It's it's so clear, you know. And it's one place where you can see he's talking about um, the spirit, the soul and the body. And the soul is our mind, um, emotions and will. Um, So somebody doesn't have to remember something to get healed of it. You know, people don't have to relive something either. But sometimes um, it's the... It's the root thing often, actually, not sometimes, but often is uh, the root thing is the thing that we need to go for. Not not for somebody might tell you like loads and loads of things because that's what they know about in the foreground, if you like. But there's lots of stuff that can be locked away. And it's often it's the root time. It's the first time that that happened to them. And if when you're ministering to somebody and you ask, say to them, why don't you just ask Jesus to just show you where that first started, they can often, as an adult, dismiss it because they will be thinking with adult thoughts, but they're not thinking as a child. And often, if they see themselves as a child that that happened to, they're just judging that and saying, well, that's in the scale of things, that's nothing. But it wasn't to them as a child. It was a huge thing. And children often um, are severely affected, you know, in childhood and carry that on into their adult years and they cannot know, realise or know what, what happened because it's all been locked away. But the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So he can actually physically come back into our yesterdays, which is the most incredible thing. It's such a wonderful thing when Jesus does that. And he does different things for different people. So there's no ABC of all this, you know. But over the years, after doing it for so many years, it's like I've had a time of uh, being prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something. And he often only gives you half a step. He, only gives you, he doesn't give you a whole step of something because he wants you to, to trust him, to say it. 
And so you're taking, you're facilitating something. You're not doing it to somebody. The Holy Spirit's doing it. Jesus is bringing his love and his healing. But you are facilitating it happening. So you're encouraging the person. It's a bit like, I always think like a midwife. You can be a midwife with your male or female. But it's, it's like facilitating this taking place, you know. And you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. But you're also sometimes, you can feel a little bit separated as like an observer almost. Because you're not... It's not doing it to you, it's doing it to the other person, but you get blessed at the same time. I always say it's a little bit like being in the shower with somebody else, but you've got all your clothes on, because it's, it's like a bounce-off. You get like a bounce-off of what sh God is showering upon them, and you get the bounce-off of that in the blessing of seeing this person absolutely transforming before your eyes. And sometimes inner healing can take 10 minutes, and that you realise afterwards sometimes... But that person could have been in therapy for like three years for that. And Jesus, you've just gone to that root thing and you've done that. And um, it, it can be incredible. So he can visit us in our yesterdays. He can visit us now. And he can visit us in, um, in our yesterdays and forever. He can go in the future. So if, for instance, you were really concerned about something that was going to happen next week, say it was you would take an exam or you had to go into hospital or something like that, in your mind's eye, you don't have to necessarily see it. You can just even just think it. Think of that place. And it says in the Bible in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. And if you come and open the door, I can come in and be, I want to come in and be with you. And so there's been many times where I've ministered to somebody where they've been frightened of something in the future because of their experience in the past. And Jesus can actually come and he does it in a different way for every person. So there's no formula of what he does because we're unique. And they can have this wonderful experience of being comforted in that place that they're scared of going to before they get there. And I've had people tell me afterwards, it was just what I experienced just then. I remembered when I got in that room and Jesus came again because I've got the memory of that, of what he did then. And he, he can, it can be a place that you can use. You can find a safe place, you know, a place that, say, at home where you like to be and just invite Jesus to come in and be with you. You can do it sitting in the dentist chair. I did that once, and um, I, was, I was almost like a drunk person because I thought I was so ter terrified because they were about to put the fourth injection in my gums, and she said to me, if this one doesn't work, I don't know what we're going to do because she was going to do something quite horrendous. And I suddenly thought, Jeannie, do what you say to everybody else. Oh, yeah. So I asked Jesus to come in the door, and um, I just looked at the door. I didn't say anything out loud. And suddenly the Holy Spirit came on me so forcefully that I went completely relaxed like a drunk person. And when she said, you know, it's time now to spill your mouth out, it was like I didn't pass out or anything. I just became completely relaxed like I'd had 10 vodkas. Not that I ever have, I have to say. And, um, and then the dentist said to me, you've got to tell me what happened to you. And I said, what? So she said, something happened to you. I know something happened to you because she said, everybody jabs their tongue near where I'm working. She said, and it, it's like a reflex thing and people do that. And you were doing that. She said, and suddenly your tongue went like this and your whole body went completely relaxed. And I just want to know what you did. And I thought, oh, she's going to think I'm a weirdo, but here goes. So I told her and we got chatting. I ended up being in the blinking surgery chair for such a long time and um, went out and got one of my books, you know, Let the Healing Begin and gave it to her and all that. And, um, but it, it, was, it was brilliant. You know, we can do that. We can ask Jesus to come into our now, whatever's going on. And because um, he said he'll come and he does. Um, 
Right, I'm just going to quickly demo on this. I've just oh, only got one hand. That's annoying. But uh, I'll be kicking like that. Then that look a bit weird, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, so this has come up for prayer ministry, okay? But there's it says in the Bible about laying on of hands, okay? But it, it doesn't say where to lay your hands, does it? And Jesus sometimes put fingers in people's ears and, and stuff like that when he was doing physical healing. And, and so at different times, this is not an ABC. I don't want you to take this as an ABC. You do this, then you do this, and then you do that. This is all totally on the shelf here. And by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he'll say, hands on your ears or something. Okay, so we always, always take notice of what he's saying. So, for instance, say... Um, Liz has been has said to me, um, you know, so, oh, I had so many lies spoken over me, you know, when I was a child. And um, obviously I'd first of all ask the Holy Spirit to come on. But I sort of, I didn't think about what I was doing because the Holy Spirit just said to me, put your hands on her ears. So you were hearing those like me, don't you? So you're going to get the... I just realised that. Oh, lovely. Well done. Anyway, so I would cut my, I cut my ear, hands on their ears. Now, sometimes if you were to do this and you get a prompting from the Holy Spirit, it might not be anything to do with because of lies. He might just say to you, do that. And just invite the Holy Spirit to come deeper. Come deeper, Lord. Just come deeper. Come deep within. So I'd have the other hand, but obviously I've got to hold the microphone, so I can't do that. And I've actually observed people suddenly then go, oh like this and I've asked them afterwards and I've had people do it to me because after doing it for so long I've said can you do it to me because I've never experienced that what does it feel like and sure enough I've, I've sent something you know in like in my stomach and I realized that our eyes um, as well as the, are the, supposed to be the windows to our soul the bible says you know the, the light goes down into our soul but how much more you know as well is our sense of hearing, because that's another sense we have. And so things that we hear are spoken over us, negative words, they go down inside us, you know. So um, sometimes it would I wouldn't know why I'm being prompted to put my hands on ears, but I just ask Jesus sometimes to come deeper. Or it might be like Liz has come up and said, I've had lies spoken over me. So I would just say in this instance, um, Holy Spirit, you know, just please come now and... Um, we just ask you to come now to all those lies. And then, so I'm asking him, but the next minute I'm just then saying, so I just speak to those lies in Jesus' name and I just tell them to stop it. Just stop it now and just lift off and be free. And so Jesus said words like that, be free, you know, be healed and things like that. Sometimes it's um, in the area of our emotions. You know, it might be that somebody's had a lot of trauma, um, and so, sorry, I meant to say about the lies. If it's lies, it's really good for the person, actually, of you can say to them, you know, what did you hear something? Did something come back to you? And they might say, yeah, it was this lie. And they can say what the lie is. And, and then you can say to them, you, it's like going on steps. It's like a journey. You're just going on this journey. So you then can say to them, why don't you just say that's not true? Because is it true? And then they might start crying or something. And they might say, but I always thought it was true. But now I'm realising maybe that's not true. So what do you want to do about it? I don't want that anymore. We'll just tell it to go then. You know? And so then the, you're just trying to facilitate that person interacting with the Holy Spirit and getting healed up. And so they then um, just say, you know, just tell that to go. And they can just say what the truth is. Or then you can also pray the truth into them and just say, in Jesus' name, I just speak the truth into that place where that lie was. 
And so there's loads of places we can put our hands. Some people get feel burdened. We can um, put our hands on their shoulders. Sometimes we can do it because they've said that, but it's so much better when you're listening to the Holy Spirit and he's telling you what to do because it might be somewhere else that he's telling you. But we always do something that's appropriate. So we never go in this area <laughs> and down here, as I'm sure you know. And if on the tape, I'm sure you can understand what I'm saying as well. Um, so there's, there's different areas. And apparently, I, I used to feel that I really wanted to sometimes put my hands on somebody's stomach. So you can say to somebody, Could you do, would you mind just putting your hand on your stomach? And now often, this is where inner pain is often comes from, deep pain, things that have been in there a long time. It seems to work the same even if you put your hand on the back. I don't know why, but sometimes I sense to do that and sometimes it's here. And then you can um, say somebody's come forward about something and they... Um, and they know they've got something or other, but they don't know when it was or what it was. And so you can just say to them, why don't you ask Jesus to just surface that? Because he knows what it is and he knows where it is. And facilitate, ask, get the person who you're praying for, the receiver, I'll call them, um, get them to interact with the Holy Spirit and to ask Jesus, where is that coming from? And for it to surface. So there's um, also, there's this... I used to pray for... Oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you about the tummy thing. I'm, try, I'm trying to pack so much in so short time. I'm thinking all the time, oh, my goodness, we need to get on and practice. Um, but round our stomach, I learned this after years of doing it, we have these neurons that are around our stomach, that are the same that are in our brain, and there are loads and loads of them. So you know when people say, I have a gut feeling or whatever, and it, it's because of these neurons, and they're connecting as well with our brain, and we've also got them around our heart. And so it, for me, it was very interesting, because I'd realised for years, Jesus has been saying, put your hand here, or, or try this, or, um, and, and speaking to me, and I was interacting with him. And so I found that very interesting. And another area sometimes I pray for is put my hands either side of somebody's head here, sort of on the temple. Is that the temples? Would you call that temples? And then years later, I went on a training day for a neuroscientist, and they said this part of the brain is the amygdala, and that's where the fight, uh, flight and freeze, you know, comes from, and our fears come from, and some of our memories as well. And I just found that so interesting because... Um, different times I would then do that by obediently listening and acting and then he would tell me the next step and often it would be in those areas you know so that's very interesting with fear we can always say in Jesus name I just place the cross of Jesus Christ between you and the fear of if they've said a fear of something and everything you did on the cross Jesus was enough and I just break the power of it or break the cycle of it you know and they're just short simple prayers and using Jesus as the model he did very short prayers didn't he he didn't do long prayers it's it's um, a power ministry you know it's it's although we call it prayer ministry it, it's of power it's not of words thank you very much um now we need to get on with stuff da 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 so, um, not going to do all that. Too much, too much. Um, so, I'm just going to tell you quickly, like a little journey with somebody who might come up for ministry, or you meet with them, or you just start praying for them, and they because they say something like, "I'm having such a trouble sleeping," and so. We've got no idea why that is. You know, we're not doctors, so we don't have to be. But so we say, we're just going to 
I'm just going to pray for you. Is that okay? Ask the Holy Spirit to come. And just ask Jesus, get them to ask Jesus, why am I not getting to sleep? Show me the cause of that. You know, what is the root of it? So that's, they've come up or they're telling you about a symptom. It's like when you go to the doctor, you always tell the doctor the symptom. The doctor's always looking for the root cause, isn't he? Well, it's a similar thing in that there's got to be a root to that, you know, unless they've got a brain tumour, hopefully not, you know. Or, you know, we don't know. what We've got a clue. So we don't go digging about. It's much better if they ask Jesus. And so just using this as an example, and so then the person then just says to them, oh, actually, I've, I've just thought the thing that I really, you know, can't get asleep is that I'm thinking about my daughter. Oh, why is that? What's that with your daughter? Well, she stays out late and she's 16. Should we ask Jesus? Why don't you just ask Jesus now why that is, why you're so worried? And then... In this example that I'm telling you, it's like going on this journey. Then the, the receiver says to you, um, thing is, I've just realised, it's just come into my mind as to, to why. Because when I was 16, I got pregnant with her. And I'm realising now that the thing was, what I did, I thought I panicked and I, I did the thing that I should never have done. I married the father. I married him and he was so cruel to me. It was terrible and it made a terrible life for me and it was a terrible life for my daughter. And I'm so frightened that the same thing's going to happen to her as what happens to me. And it's like, bingo, there it is, you know, there's the thing. So as we see that, we can humanly think, we can just immediately think guilt, you know, she's got guilt. And how did, but then you need to ask the, the person. So how does that make you feel? And it might be shame, you know, I feel shame and I feel guilt. Well, the good place to come is to Jesus at the cross because everything he did on the cross was enough. And he took your guilt on that cross. So why don't you just go to Jesus? Why don't you just bring that to Jesus? In fact, bring your guilt first of all. Bring your shame, you know, because shame is like filthy clothes. And we can take that filth off because we have, usually people have done something to us when we feel ashamed. And what we do is we put on the filth of shame. And then we're ashamed to look at Jesus in the eyes. We're ashamed um, to look at him. We're ashamed to receive anything from him. But it's only us that can take it off, you know. Jesus doesn't take it off of us. He's standing there ready with his arms open wide to receive that, what we're going to take off and give to him because he died for it. And so, say for instance that she did that, you know, and we went through that, and, and then I would say, why don't you just receive now what Jesus wants to give you in return, because he wants to do an exchange. And um, then um, the natural thing would, because this again would be one of those tools on the shelf, would suddenly pop into my mind, which would be, why don't you take your daughter now by the hand and take her to Jesus at the cross? People who are visual can see it, sometimes and that enhances it for them but if you're not visual my husband wasn't visual at all you know but the same thing can happen for you when you think it because you're in intent in do doing it and so you can put your will to it and do it and it would be important for her to like hand that child over to Jesus because she doesn't want that to happen she's holding her too close you know she needs to let her go to Jesus so that's there's loads of different things that we can do prompted by the Holy Spirit, and he'll tell you each one as and when you need it. Um, okay, I think we need to just get on and start doing some stuff, so because it's much better. So why don't we get in twos? If you get in twos with um, somebody of the same sex and somebody that is not your friend or that you came with, 
I was sitting next to. That is, ooh, that's nasty, isn't it? But believe me, it is much better for you. I do this because often it's who you'll be praying for will be somebody you don't know. Oh, I need this. Okay, if we could get in twos quickly, because we want to do as much as possible in a short space of time. Could you stand up and find a place? We want you standing up because something different happens when we stand up. We're out of our comfort zone. We're going to find a space and make it our little area. Liz, Liz, have you got a partner or not? Is there anybody who hasn't got a partner? You're standing next to each other. Can you swap with two other men that are nearby? Can you find a partner? Right, everybody's got a partner, yes? Oh, wonderful, well done. Right, great. So... It'll take one second to tell each other your name. Go. Okay, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Unless you've got a name that goes on for a long time. Um, So, first of all, I just want you to, out of the two of you, the most assertive one of the two of you, this is a leaders conference, put your hand up now. (laughs) Okay. All the assertive people, come on! Now Christians are all like, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. This is going to take us ages. So come on, assertive people, put your hand up now. Okay. So if you've got two in your group, now the only thing about this is you're going first. Okay, you're going to be the prayer. That's all it's about. And we're going to keep swapping over. So that's okay. Right. So what are we going to do first? I can't remember. Oh, yes, I know what we're going to do first. We're going to receive, first of all. Thank you. So we're going to be a receiver first, okay? Oh, not like the income tax and all that. So anyway, so I just want you to be yourself, be normal. And what we're going to do is we're just going to receive from Jesus power and authority in his name. Because we need to know in our knower we've got it, Okay. He wants to give it. He gathered the disciples together and he gave them power and authority in his name to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead and tell the good news about him. Okay? So we need to receive that. So let's be receivers of that. And we're also going to be asking him to release upon us gifts of healing. Okay? And particularly because you've come to this seminar in the area of inner healing. Okay? Healing of the heart, the body, the mind and the spirit. And the soul. Okay, so let's be a receiver. So be in an attitude of receiving. If I was going to give you a million pounds, you can bet your life you're going to be a receiver, aren't you? So this is so much better. So we're just going to take a short time with this, okay? So just ask him, Lord, we just ask you now that you would just give us power and authority in your name to heal the sick, to cast out demons. To raise the dead when you say, and to tell people the good news about you. And Lord, take from my mind any doubt about that, 
and anything of the enemy that tells me you're going to do it to everybody else but not me. Thank you that you're true to your word. And Lord, I also ask you that you would release upon me gifts of healing and gifts for ministry, Lord, to set the captives free and to release prisoners from darkness. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I ask as well that you would give me your compassion You'll give me your heart, Lord. Show me how to really love people and to not get in the way of what you want to do. Amen. Okay, so we're just going to, first of all, just lay your hand lightly on someone and um, the, your partner. And you're gonna, the partner is going to be the receiver and you're going to be the prayer. I'm going to call you the prayer because otherwise I'm keep saying this person, that person, this person. It makes me feel quite giddy. I don't know about you. But. So <clears throat> the prayer, invite the Holy Spirit to come upon the receiver. And I want you to keep your eyes open, um, not the receiver, the prayer. And I want you to also, as you start just asking the Holy Spirit to come, just Think to yourself, this is the most important person in the world because for this moment, they are. They are the most important person in the world. And just invite the Holy Spirit to come into their mind, into their emotions, into their body, every part of them. And don't do that silently. Do that, you know, with words. Now, I'm going to be saying, because it takes a lot longer if I was to prompt you and then you repeat or whatever. So I'm just going to say it, okay? But you, the one, the prayer, you're the one that's ministering, okay? I just want you to realize that. So, receiver, I just want you to see yourself in a room that you like to be in at home. If you can't, if there isn't any room that you like particularly or feel comfortable in, you can be somewhere else, but just for the sake of this exercise. Okay, and with that same thing as I said, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you come to the door and open the door, I want to come in and be with you. So whether you're visual or not visual, you can either think it or just go to the door and just invite Jesus to come in because he wants to. It says in the word he wants to and he's not a liar. The liar is the liar, the enemy. He wants to come in. He wants to spend time with you because he delights in you. In the Bible it says he wants to eat with you, which is something he does with his friends. So is any you can do anything or say anything to Jesus. He's here for you. Or maybe there's something you want to show him. This is your time. This is your time with him. Well... 
thanks everybody for coming because it had been very boring standing here on my own. <laughs> anyway, sorry we didn't get much time for doing all the things. <laughs>